Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy. But you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great. Filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. Hi, this is Helena Hart, and welcome to the Master Your Magnetism podcast, where I interview top experts to help you create the life and relationship you've always wanted. Today, we're focusing on dating and relationships specifically, and the expert I'm talking with is my very good friend and fellow coach, Antia Boyd. Welcome, Antia. Hi, Helena. I'm so excited for this topic. In all my years of interviewing experts, I've actually never done an interview on this topic before. And we're talking about narcissistic men today. I've been getting so many questions from the women in my community and requests for an episode on this topic. So we're going to be talking about five red flags to look for in order to spot a narcissist and three things you can do in order to prevent yourself from attracting this kind of person. I know this is something I hear about all the time, and I know you're a total expert on this topic. So what's the first thing you have to say about narcissistic partners or anything about this? Like just to give an overview, I'd love to hear it. Totally. So you know what I hear, and I know we just talked about this too, Helena, is that we are quick to say, oh, this guy is a narcissist. He didn't get back to me. He did, you know what I mean? (laughs) He put me up. And so we got, first of all, we want to be like really mindful right? Because like, we want to be very mindful of labels. There's actually like a very small percentage of men, actually 7.7% are currently that we can identify because obviously narcissists are not naturally seeking out therapy. I mean, some are, but most, most don't Yes, we have to admit that there's like a weakness about them, which is of course the narcissist's worst nightmare, right? And um, so that's number one. It's like, okay, so next time just think about a small number. And then if you're even looking uh, looking between men and women, it's about like 1% or so. Uh, so mm-hmm. it's very small, right? It's so next time, okay? And then also you want to really look for combinations. So I'm going to, I list five markers here. There's more than five markers, but you want to have at least three, three to four markers that you observe consistently in a person before you give them like any quote unquote label and give them like any diagnosis. And um, interesting, Helena, when you asked me to talk about this topic, because I grew up with a narcissistic mom. So I actually know firsthand what does that look like? How are they acting in everyday life? How are they collapsing, but not really, and still keeping control and manipulating environments and all the things Right. So if you have dated a narcissist, I'm I'm right here, girlfriend. I get it. And I'm really excited to dive into this so you can actually rest assured and not just think, am I crazy or is he crazy? Yes, I'm so glad you started with that. I know that label gets thrown around a lot. I see a lot of women just, you know, the man doesn't get back to them, like you said, or he doesn't behave the way that she was hoping he would. And it's easy just to say, oh, he's a narcissist. And it's important to know what signs to look for, because I know there's different types of narcissism and it's not so easy to spot. I know some of these guys can be really charismatic and can hook you in really quickly. So, yeah, I would love to hear that first red flag everyone should be looking for. 
Yeah. So first red flag, and you may have heard about this before too, Helena, is called gas lighting. Hmm. And so essentially what happens, so let's say you call out the man, the narcissist, if it's a narcissist, obviously, on, uh, let's say that you think he's cheating. Like he'll actually turn that around and will blame you for cheating, right? Even though you've never yeah. talked to a guy and you'll actually start to see, am I cheating? Did I talk to somebody recently? <laughs> so he's able to start to manipulate your environment and your self-perception that you're like, you. that's really the feeling. It's like, am I crazy or is he crazy, right? Like, and and that's of course brilliant for him because it totally distracts from him having to admit vulnerability or wrongness, which we'll go to in a moment um, as well, right? So that's like one thing that you want to look out for is like if he's constantly switching it around, if there's never, oh, tell me more, babe, like what makes you think this way? But it's usually exactly the same thing as being like thrown at you and, and, and relentlessly. So there is no compassion. There's like no understanding. There is almost like this gotcha feeling, right? Like, yes, yeah, good about that immediate deflection where I would imagine, you know, a healthy partner would be like, oh, my goodness, what, you know, why why are you feeling that way? They'd want to hear more. And how can I fix it? And how can I show you that that's not the case? Or how can I alleviate your concerns? So instead of all of that, it's just an immediate pushing it back onto you. So I think that's great. I hear about gaslighting all the time. I've actually haven't talked about it too much before in these podcast episodes. So I'm glad you brought that up. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, and also, and this is so interesting. But if you, you know, you know that you're in a narcissistic relationship. If you feel like you need to record your conversations, mm. girlfriend, something is really off. <laughs> you're like, feel like, wait a minute, who said what? And I don't even trust myself anymore. What I said, I think I remember I said that I don't trust him, or I think I remember I said I wanted him to not throw a party at the house or whatever the case may be, right? But you, again, it becomes it becomes really foggy. Like narcissists are masters as creating this fog, this brain fog, you know? If you have, have you ever had brain fog, Helena, when you just like didn't have enough food or, you know? Um, yes, all the time, <laughs> actually. Yeah, it's like, wait, did I do that? Did I, did I lock the door? Did I close the garage? Right? Go back and check, yeah. So that's, that's sort of like how you would feel when you get ga- gaslit. Hmm. That's, that is great. I'm so glad to be putting this information out there because I know a lot of the women in my community are really sweet, empathic people, and they tend to turn the blame on themselves anyway. So with men like this, it can just be even easier to do that. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And we'll go into ways, remedies, or even how you become a narcissistic repellent in the second part of this. Perfect. Uh, so hold on your seats, ladies. <laughs> love it. What is that second red flag that women should be looking for? So that's love, bomb, love bombing. Love and bombing. If you feel like, you know what, it's just a little too much, right? It's like, you know, you got sick and then you got the care package and then you got the chocolates and you got the balloon and, and, and then you got the text immediately and all the things, how my clients were describing it. I mean, one got like flown from one state to Florida. I think she lived like in New York, um, you know, just to have dinner, you know, because why not? And then she got like this, I don't know, $10,000 bracelet. And so it gets really over the top right? Like really, like, you know, we just feel like, wait a minute. And we'll talk actually about like how to balance your own self-esteem because 
those narcissists that look for certain women, that love bombing doesn't work for a self-confident woman, especially if she's intrinsically self-confident, right? Yeah. Because she's like, yeah, that's nice, so whatever. But it doesn't have this massive impact on her. She's not going to be like now anchored to him and he's going to create such a massive state change for her emotionally and hormonally that she's almost getting addicted to it, right? Like a secure woman who's aligned inside of herself is not going to, she's not going to be so easily impressed by love bombing. Probably oh, more. that is such a good point. Oh my gosh. I've never heard anyone say that before. I just want to highlight that. So with a woman who's truly secure and her self-esteem comes from herself on the inside, a guy might come on strong. I hear this happening a lot at the beginning, right? They love bomb and they get someone hooked and then the abuse comes in later. So with a woman who's truly secure, all this attention and gifts and showering her with affection isn't going to get her like addicted to him. If she truly, you know, has her security and self-esteem coming from herself on the inside. Do I have that right? Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing I wanted to mention about love bombing Helena is that, you know, there is no real follow through. So there is like, a, there's just, it's just in the beginning, but there's no real follow through, right? That love bombing is not consistent. Right. That's that's just going to be in the beginning to get you hooked. And once he knows that he has you hooked, now he can just play with you like a little mouse. You know, those like little a cat, you know, games. You have a cat, Helena, right? Like this little <laughs> yeah, this, this fishing thing. You know what I mean? And you just yeah. like, you know, you could just like you play and see what happens with her. Right. Or if I throw a shadow on the wall, like is she going to go crazy or whatever it is? So that's what the narcissist starts to do, right? Interesting. So, and I, again, I don't know a whole lot about this topic. So I'm just, I have a million questions coming to me right now. Does this love bombing thing typically only happen at the beginning or could it come back in later if he's trying to get her back or get exactly. her hooked again? Yeah, yeah. So that would be the only times, right? When she's finally, wait a minute, I'm coming back to my own sovereignty. I finally know who I am anymore. I'm not mad. <laughs> I mean, I'm not insane, basically right? Then this can easily happen again. I do want to marry you, right? And and mm. him showing up and having the balloons in front of your window. And I mean, I've heard stories, Selena, it's unbelievable what those guys are capable of writing poetry, songs. I mean, they go above and beyond because they need to, they need to have you back. Why? Because they can't deal with the, with the failure, with the rejection. They just can't do it. Mm, got it. Wow. So interesting. <laughs> this is such great information because I know there's a difference between a man pursuing you and being consistent, but things are kind of moving along at an easy, steady pace versus I know a lot of women, maybe they've just gone through a divorce or a painful breakup. Mm -hmm. I, a lot of women attract a narcissist. They're vulnerable or susceptible to that because maybe they just got out of a relationship where they didn't have a lot of affection or attention. And then here comes this guy. It seems like this knight in shining armor, just giving her everything. And mm -hmm. she's already at a vulnerable place. And that's mm -hmm. when it can be easy to get hooked. So I'm really curious to hear about some of these other red flags too. Yeah, totally. So the third one is a little easier to identify, but also to misunderstand is it's everything is about him. So it's a, he's very self-focused, right? So not only is he talking about himself a lot, like about all of his accomplishments, because of course, it's all about how he's being seen on the outside. We'll talk about that, right? So it's like the impressions from the outside. That is kind of like he's like this peacock, you know, like, look at me, right? Mm -hmm. So so the good thing is they're easy to identify because when you walk into a room, they're usually the life of the party. 
they wear the biggest watch, you know, they drive the biggest car and they talk about it because it's one thing to enjoy your money, your wealth, whatever it is, right? Because you worked hard for it. But it's another one to constantly flaunt it and to constantly make it like this big deal. And you also sort of get this feeling from him when he does that. Uh, it's just about the appearance. You feel this. He's not really connected to you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, don't you love this five-star restaurant? Or don't you love this? You know, I'll take you on this Cadillac ride, on this yacht ride or whatever it is. So everything is about him or the other way how he does it is, so Helena, let's say you share something and he would say immediately, oh, that reminds me of when I went with Joey on this trip and when I did this and when I did that. So he wouldn't even be able to listen to two or three sentences that you have to share because frankly, he's not interested in you. Hmm. Your sister not interested in you. I mean, that's tough to hear, but it's true. They don't care. They don't care, people. Unless it's like really for their own agenda, right? To be like, oh, I know how to love bomb her or I know uh, what weaknesses she has so I can gaslight her afterwards. Right. Yeah. So what I'm getting is it's just it's he doesn't even really see you as a person. I've heard it as like you're a a supply or his new supply Mm -hmm. to kind of feed his own ego or feed his own view of himself because he doesn't really have his own self-concept so he has to kind of manipulate everyone around him and I know that you know we're talking about this from the woman's point of view of course there are women that can be narcissists too but you know since my audience here is mostly women but this can can obviously go both ways but yeah they, they don't even see you as a human being they don't have empathy for you it's all about what you can feed for them do I have that right yeah so it's actually so you are basically the host and mm-hmm. he's the parasite mm. and you have to really understand that because actually you are the one who has the power because what is a parasite without a host true the parasite oh, yeah. dies. and he can't let you find that out which is why I'm saying this peacock meaning like he is constantly inflating himself right? Versus collapsing, right? When we're collapsing, when we're finally crying, when we're finally saying, you know, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it that way. All of that will never happen with the narcissist because like he, you need to believe that he is superior, right? You need to respect him because otherwise you leave him and then he doesn't have a host anymore. Right, right. He has to go seek out a new host or a new supply, right? And I hear with this too, and we might be getting ahead of ourselves, but you know, he'll put all his attention on you for a while and then he kind of builds up a tolerance to your supply and then he kind of puts you on the back burner and goes out looking for a new supply and then when he gets tired of that he might come back to you but the Mm -hmm. the person he's love bombing and focusing on kind of gets the lion's share of his attention gets hooked on it and then when you get put on the back burner it's completely devastating but since you're so hooked you find yourself tolerating things like okay I guess it's okay that you know he has to go back to his ex and you know figure out that situation or date new women you find yourself tolerating things that you would never tolerate in a million years from another man that's what I've seen from women who get stuck in this cycle yeah so I'm curious to hear what else you have what's the next red flag women should look for so so one that's really typical is their consistently disrespect boundaries so Mm -hmm. let's say you express like what please don't do that and then like okay please don't drive my car 100 miles an hour and he'll like push for it, right? And he'll think it's like funny. Um, he becomes condescending, right? He's like, oh, don't be, don't be such a chicken. You know what I mean? Like it's not that bad. 
And so you'll notice that the, the respect for you is not there, right? Like absolutely not. So whatever it is, like imagine, Helena, every time when you set a boundary, you like it's being it's being broken. It's mm-hmm. like if you just spoke some other language. You know what I mean? As if you spoke Chinese and he speaks Spanish or something like that, right? Or he's like, oh, babe, I, I knew you didn't really mean it. Uh, yeah, I really meant it. I really meant like don't trash up my house or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so, so it will be constantly just sort of like not really taking you seriously, belittling you. Because remember, you have to stay inferior to him. Got it. Got it. So this boundary pushing thing, is that because he doesn't care or he doesn't actually see you as a, as a human being with feelings? Or is it just kind of seeing what he can get away with? Or is it all of the above? <laughs> I'm curious. Yeah, I mean, uh, for one, I, I guarantee you there's like a testing aspect to it for sure to see mm-hmm. actually how far he can push it with you because narcissists will do this all the time. But then they also recover, right? Because they know how to play this game, how to go back and forth. Um, but also, it's sort of like it, it, they need it. It's almost like their food. Like when you feel bad or when you feel upset because you give them attention, right? And then this attention is life force energy for them. And so then they get to, you know, feel even better about themselves. And I know it sounds weird. Yeah. But they love when when you go off. They love when you react, when you become defensive, when you argue with them. They love all of that. And it's it's really bizarre, right? But they love sort of this, like, this, like, friction. Uh, You know, when we're thinking about fight or flight, they love the fight aspect. They never fly. They never, they never, I'm out of here, right? They're always, like, fighting. So that's why they love conflict because mm-hmm. in conflict they can like really sort of quote unquote shine because remember they're inflating, you know, so they're going into more attack and more attack that becomes first emotional attack then becomes physical attack. It can become financial attack. I mean, I've heard it all. Almost like children, you know, how is any attention, whether it's positive or negative, they kind mm-hmm. of like any reaction from you. It sounds similar to that. Wow, this is so interesting. What is that next red flag that women should be looking out for? So the other piece I just want to mention that goes along with number five, too, is power. So narcissists are really about power. I mean, they that's another thing with the boundaries is that those are power games, right? Like, okay, you know, like, let's see how I can push it. So and that goes along with number five, which is there's just too much there's too much attention on how they look how they appear right so you know there's actually all this research that of course uh, lots of narcissists are actually taking a lot of selfies so if you're online dating you see a lot of guys taking selfies of course that's not the only marker <laughs> um but it's constantly they do spend more time in the bathroom that the woman does right it's constantly about um how they look so i'll give you an example so uh, they're, they're two-faced, basically, you know. So with my mom, she would be on the outside, you know, like the favorite, you know, colleague. And even like certain products were named after her because she's like super smart and all the things. I created all of that. And then when she would come home, she would turn into this monster who had like no emotions, no remorse, no gratitude. And you know what? She would like literally say, you know, you can prove to me black on white that you're right with a lawyer and you're still not going to be right. And so that is the, that's literally picture book, narcissist right there, textbook. Mm. Mm. Like this, like you can prove to me 
on your reality, on your reality timeline, that something, right? But in my world, like you're never going to be right because mm. I can't face shame, right? So if if somebody would actually see how she would treat us on the inside behind closed doors or how she would like collapse into, we can quickly talk about covert versus overt narcissism. So that the covert narcissist um, is usually a little bit more dropping into a, narc- uh, into a victim, but it's not really a victim. It's very calculated. It's mm. not really a collapse. It's an act, right? Um, because again, what do they need? Attention. Mm. So they know how to get that. But you know how you can tell if you're really dealing with somebody who's insecure and who's a, you know, it's like they usually can flip like that. And narcissists can flip. As soon as they got what they wanted, they stop crying. Just like, you have to watch this, Elena. It's crazy. Uh, you watch them flip. You can see it sometimes on reality TV, um, even though it's staged, but there's also some real aspects to it. And they just literally out of the sudden say, so now I want this and that. Or now I want this and that. Hmm. Right? So they can switch from like being sad to demand really quick. Yeah. I've actually known, um, I knew a, she's a female who would do that. If she didn't get her way, just total meltdown. Yeah. And then, it's, you know, it's just it was just a total manipulation to try mm-hmm. to get what she wanted. This would happen multiple times a day every time she was around. Yeah. <laughs> and this was just all kind of manipulating all the circumstances and people totally. to get her the exact way she wanted, but could yeah. also be very sweet and charming and come across as caring at, at the same time. Very, very interesting. So that's mm-hmm. covert narcissism. What? And then you want to mention overt narcissism too, right? Yeah, well, over it is more like, well, look at me, you know, what I mean, I am powerful, right? Like, I'm, um, and usually that's the biggest thing, because some of those like overt narcissists, right, they have those qualities that when the women come to me that they have that, right? They have like the, you know, um, the ability to provide for the woman, they usually feel very masculine, because remember, from that fight energy, that's a lot of wild men, right? That's why it's like extremely, uh, there can be a lot of sexual attraction, um, and he handles things. Yeah, he has a big life. And women can really kind of look up, women who are wounded can really look up to a, a overt narcissist, like like sort of the dead. Mm-hmm. You know, like, mm-hmm. oh, there's that. He comes on a white horse. He makes me all those promises. And of course, the overt narcissist knows that 100%. You know, he can quickly identify, and we're going to go actually how to stop attracting them. Um because they can quickly identify, they look for certain markers where they know, oh, she's like more vulnerable. Let's go in for the kill, basically. Oh, yes. I would love to get into these three ways to stop attracting narcissistic men or what to do if you already have. I'm sure that'd be helpful for that too. Do you want to get into that next? Yeah, absolutely. And so one thing you have to understand is you need to almost make yourself ungaslightable. I don't even know if that's a word, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you can't gaslight you with anything. If you feel good about yourself, whatever it is, right? If you have, if you're at peace with yourself, no matter if you're selfish, no matter if you're arrogant, no matter if you're, cause you embrace all the parts inside of yourself, he can't gaslight you. So the first one is become your inner narcissist. Okay. And I say that on purpose because what do I usually hear from women? They actually say, I don't, I never want to be a narcissist. I mean, I never want to be as selfish as my, my narcissistic engineering dad was or whatever it is. Right. And I was like, well, that's why you attract them because what you resist persists. Right. And so you look out for all those red flags 
And then because you look out for them, you attract them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if you become your own inner narcissist, which means you actually start to become, I call this the art of self-focus. So you actually learn to focus on yourself and to break through your fears, to be self-focused. So let's say you're on a date, Helena. I always like practical examples. So let's say you're on a date and let's say this guy's been talking for 10 minutes nonstop without asking you a question ah, to take a breath, right? So a woman who's apologetic about herself would be like, well, I can't do that because then he's going to think, you know, I'm not interested or he thinks, who am I to now take a breath, right? And bring the attention back to me. I mean, I don't want to be that selfish. So in other words, the woman that's that's like wounded, right? Or that's attracting um, narcissists into her life, she doesn't have the ability to see what's actually true narcissism and what's healthy, you know, like self-focus. Being healthy, you know what I mean? Focusing on yourself, feeling mm. firmly rooted on the ground, being in your body, you know what I mean? Um, honoring your own boundaries, all those things, right? But you know what? I actually had to go to that extent. How I healed it with my mom was really becoming that kind of like person who I perceived her to be, right? Like, you know, like forgive myself for not caring um, or not being as compassionate as maybe some other people were in certain moments, right? Yeah. Like really being selfish and being like, no, I, you know, I love you, let's say to a girlfriend and I have 10 minutes. That's it. I don't Mm -hmm. have time for you. Even if you go through something right now, I trust you're going to find another person. So really taking action steps that triggered me where I was like, wow, I'm such a selfish person. I'm not taking care. Right. So you want to really get to that point because then guess what? When you're out in public and you actually focus on yourself, a narcissist will not approach you. You're mm-hmm. a natural narcissist repellent. You know why? Because a narcissist will look for, oh, who are those people who are looking around? Who are those people who have this apologetic body language, right? Or who are like just constantly justifying themselves or who constantly have this nervous laughter, right? So he's going to look for that. If you don't have that, he'll be just like, it's too much work. Sort of like if you're vulnerable to a narcissist, that's somebody who's maybe presenting herself as insecure. And this can be really difficult. I know I can relate to this a lot myself. And I know women who are drawn to this work tend to be really not self-focused. That's why I talk so Mm -hmm. much about taking your focus off of the guy and putting it on yourself and your own feelings and desires. Because yeah, gosh, everything you're saying is so true. I, I was totally that apologetic person. I can still tend to be that way. And I am constantly having to work on boundaries with friends, family members, people I work with, you ever get in that place where everyone just like seems to want more and more and more from you. And I'm the person who puts everyone's feelings ahead of my own naturally. So I had to learn how to turn that around. Mm -hmm. Do you have any tips for women who are like that? Because I know that's the majority of women who are drawn to this work. Yeah, absolutely. Right. We call them also the empaths. I did a video on like why empaths attract narcissists. Yeah. It's almost like the match made in heaven for the narcissist. Uh, obviously not for the empath, right? Because the empath believes in the good in people. So they may actually see, well, that wasn't really nice what this guy did. Or he yelled at me, but then, you know what I mean? We're compassionate. And maybe it's like inviting us to love ourselves more. And so we constantly have this like, this opening heart, right? This opening heart to the other person, but not to ourselves. 
That yes. shows you how empaths go, right? So that's really interesting. And I'm like, interesting. What about self-empathy? Can we just talk about that for a moment, right? Because if you're like, no, Antje, but that's my nature. My mom was like that and I'm like that and I will not compromise that. I'm not saying you compromise that. I'm just saying re-channel towards yourself, girlfriend, so you're at least balanced and you understand this is not just like some protection mechanism or some coping mechanism you developed because you didn't get the attention from your primary caregiver in a way you should have. Right. Exactly. So important. It's not selfish in the negative sense. I mean, I can spot it. I'll do a post on the community tab of my YouTube channel, just about something very basic about loving yourself and valuing yourself. And a lot of people resonate with it, but there are some people who say that's selfish. You're going to get a big head if you love yourself too much. And that's not what we're talking about here, right? We're talking about having healthy boundaries, uh, you know, not thinking you're better than everyone else, but putting your own heart first in a lot of ways, right? Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, and um and, and then the other piece also too is it's actually like saying so when someone uses being selfish as like a way to manipulate you, which of course my mom did, which remember gaslighting, right? Mm-hmm. So she was actually the selfish one, but she would just be like, You're so selfish. She knew when I did that, I would completely go into a justification mode, right? Like, no, it's fine, you know, I'll call you back in half an hour, blah, blah, blah. Even though, let's say I had my final, I'm like, mom, I got to go. I was going to UC Berkeley and I'm like already like 10 minutes late to my, you know, final because my mom's not getting off the phone. Right. So that's the kind of like boundary over crossing I was talking about, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to say, you know what, what would it take for me to be called? You're so selfish and I'm just totally fine. I'm like, yeah, like what would it, what would it take for me to just own it? And then what I did was like, I started to go on a journey to actually look for where am I already selfish? And remember, it may be more unconscious because it can't be visible to me because then, you know what I mean? This pattern would never work again, right? So remember the brain deletes, distorts and generalizes reality based on our unconscious patterns. So if I have this unconscious pattern of like, you know what I mean? I got to be the empath. You know what I mean? You can't be selfish then I will never see where I am selfish because it's simply deleted from my consciousness. Mm. So when you go on a journey, and I told, even to this day, it's so great. I love it. You know, where sometimes my husband's like, do you like to talk about yourself? Would you like to, you know what I mean? Know what you want. And it's so great because now I'm like, thanks for bringing this all to the surface in all the ways where I was already selfish, but I could never see it, you know? So I could never embrace it for myself and love it accordingly right and we have always like a good laugh about it this is basically the shadow work which is funny because we want to talk about you know shadow as well uh, yeah on another episode but funny how it's actually inter uh intermingles with each other because you got to really say you know what kind of person is selfish right so if you're like oh like a careless person and like a heartless person i mean whatever your story is around what kind of woman is selfish, that's what you have to start embracing Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. can you embrace that you're heartless that you can be heartless not that you are but you could be if you if it was a different situation if you had a different upbringing or whatever a different environment could you be heartless absolutely you could absolutely I could and so this is actually like understanding the nature of who we really are and and you notice when I say that there's no emotional charge it's just duh of course mm. you know what I mean and there's no, there's no justification, uh, there's no shame, 
all of that now this didn't come overnight but this come really from reinforcing like whatever it is inside of myself that makes me become apologetic around being selfish and now my mom can call me selfish and I'll just call her into her higher self and I'll be like you know mom you have this powerful part inside of you I'm not even reacting to it anymore it's just like mm. totally which brings me to number two. Do you want to hear number two, Helena? I would love to, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is ignore. Ignore. Hmm. Because remember, a, like a narcissist would rather be fought with, would rather be attacked than ignored. Interesting. Did yeah, I can that? see that. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it, because they, there's no food, right? And so if they have no food, remember, Helena, if they have no food that feeds their external superior i'm bigger than larger than life sort of like um facade they actually have to face the internal feeling of not good enoughness which they have that's that's why they're fighting so hard because they never want to feel that they don't want to feel not good enough ever so they just fight tooth and nail because it's really like life and death for them basically mm. right um, and so, you know, when I started doing that with my mom, she stopped reaching out. Of course mm. I did. Because there's no, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just talking to her. She's able to take care of herself that she doesn't need me, which is, of course, the worst thing that could happen to a narcissist. Because the narcissist wants you to believe, no, 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 you need to do all of this. So I get my needs met. Right. Um, and the same is true also at a party. Just ignore them. You know what I mean? If they make a comment online that is absolutely inappropriate, just flat, just ignore it. Just don't even say anything. Don't. Say I anything. love that advice. That is so good because what I see a lot of women doing is getting this huge emotional charge around it, then getting hooked up into this masculine argument with them that they're just never going to win, and it's just a waste of energy. You're you're putting your energy into something that's just, <laughs> is the wrong way to go, right? Yeah. I think perfect. I love mm -hmm. that advice. I, I think that's brilliant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And um, it, it, you know, it's really about and what that takes for you my darlings who are listening is actually being in the unknown because what you would do, what the empaths would rather do is say something. So they have some sort of certainty because remember from the anxious attachment style standpoint, you have to create a pseudo certainty in your reality in order for your nervous system to feel fairly regulated, right? If you feel deregulated, you fall out of sorts, that's when you go into high levels of anxiety. That's when you go into high beta brainwaves and fight or flight. And you want to avoid that, right? So you're not ignoring him, right? Because you don't want to be with the emptiness and with the space. So there's, again, this invitation to create more capacity to be with the unknown and being with the what would have happened if. Yeah, you may never find out. But you know what? You may never want to find out, okay? Because it would have been absolutely horrific storyline for you. I agree. I am so with you on that. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that is so important. We could probably do a whole other episode just on that, like getting comfortable with the unknown, stop trying to seek answers or, or just, just leave it alone, right? Not mm -hmm. putting energy into a situation that's only going to hurt you and break your heart. I think that's brilliant. Is there anything else you want to say about that? Or do you want to move into the third tip you have? Um, 
Well, you know what? The reason why this is so powerful, the ignoring one, this actually goes back to his own childhood. So we're talking men, right? Because also applied to women. But he actually felt ignored in his own childhood at some point, which made him not feel good enough, right? So his needs were ignored or his reach was ignored. Something was ignored. And so it triggers directly his visceral nervous system all the way back to childhood, right? His emotional brain. And that's why it's so powerful because that's, it's just the, uh, you know, it's just the ultimate that he, he he has to decide if he's going to go to someone else because it's Mm -hmm. just too unbearable. Because remember the narcissist has no ability to deal with anything because they don't get into personal development. And if they Mm -hmm. don't get really into it, they just get into it on the surface to, you know, manipulate more people. Try and get what they want, right? Yeah, uh-huh. Exactly. Because we've seen narcissists and gurus. We have seen teachers, but you can tell they're not embodied. They have charisma, but there's like this connection is missing. Again, you know, it's like you feel there's nothing. It doesn't do anything to you when you're in that audience or in that workshop. Oh, yeah. I feel like I can just spot that right away. And it's crazy to see other people, you know, watching someone or getting advice from someone who is clearly a narcissist. I would, mm-hmm. it's shocking that they can't see it. And then they're going, Oh, you're such a great guy. Where are all the men like you out there in the online dating world or whatever? And so it's so important to keep that in mind. Yeah. A lot of people who are giving advice are, you know, they do it because they're seeking attention or a lot of them prey on the people who are vulnerable. And so it's just, I mean, I'm not saying everybody. Obviously, it's a very, very tiny percentage, but it's something to pay attention to. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Totally. And the third one that I found, and I mean, there's so many other ones like reinforcing boundaries, calling them out. Um, but what, what I want to say actually about calling out is number three is almost like indirectly calling them out on their emotional unavailability, right? And you get them so uncomfortable When you're constantly emotionally available, which is why it's so great when you heal yourself, you know, um, you're actually okay with like vulnerable topics. You know, you actually love to talk about emotions. Um, I had like, I have like one woman at church. She's like, she is, has definitely enough markers, more than three to fall into the category of being a narcissist. And she just doesn't like when you get like really vulnerable with her, like she doesn't like that. Like you can feel like her whole body shutting down mm. and she's okay. I got to go. And you know what I mean? Because it's like, she doesn't want to go there because she doesn't want to feel herself. Like, yeah, absolutely. I think we've all experienced that. Right. And now obviously it's not just, you know, just because someone's uncomfortable with vulnerability, that means they're a narcissist. But if they have some of these uh, five red flags, these markers we shared, Absolutely. I think we've all experienced that where they just don't want to go that deep. It doesn't do anything for them. Right. 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 And it's like almost so what I said with the calling out would be almost like saying, oh, come on. What did you really think about the speaker? Right. So you you don't let it go. But you're like, no, let, tell, tell me really, like, how did you feel about that? And then they, they start to get annoyed. They feel like you cross their boundaries because, of course, they have very low boundaries when it comes to anything emotional. So they will not say, oh, this makes me uncomfortable. Can we please not talk about this? Right. So they'll be like, you crossed my boundaries. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to talk to you anymore. Because remember, narcissists need to be right. Hmm. So they can never, like, admit anything vulnerable um, about themselves, if that makes sense. Right. Like, in, yeah. you know, and especially this is the good thing of empaths, where actually the gift can really much play out for them. It's because empaths can feel things way before 
the narcissist can feel them, right? And they have to actually learn to trust that. And when they speak to that, the narcissist will like just run for the hills because they see, oh, because remember, narcissists, they have this big life. They've been on TV. They have all the things, you know what I mean? Massive Instagram following, all the things, right? Like everybody loves. So it's just this whole appearance, right? It's always like, look at me. Here's all these things. And so if you're like totally not responding to that and just be like, just like, just tell me what's really going on. I, I couldn't couldn't give uh, you know what about you know what I mean whatever you have going on in your life you know I want to know who you are at your core they will feel violated which is a good thing because mm. that, that will actually long term they will not want to interact with you which is fabulous that's exactly what you want that is great and it's just it's a way to be anyway that will attract someone who actually wants to go deep with you and it will repel the people who can't do that or don't want to do that. Right. So that's a great tool just in general, I think, you know, that's where that's the positive kind of vulnerability that's actually, you know, comes from strength, uh, strength within yourself, not because you're trying to get something from someone, but because you know, that's going to attract the right people and repel the wrong people. Mm -hmm. So that was beautiful. Uh, Do you want to recap these five markers or red flags and these three tips at the end and anything else you'd like to say on this topic? I would love to hear it. So, yeah, so we talked about the five red flags, which was gaslighting, right? So it's constantly the same accusation that you have for him. He flips on you and it doesn't even make sense. The second one was love bombing, just way over the top. It's just it's just almost like fairy tale, kind of like Bachelor on Bachelorette reality TV show kind of stuff. Right. But it's like, wait a minute, you know, when something is used in fantasy TV, it's usually because it's fantasy. Okay. Um, and then also the third one is easy to identify. Everything is about them. They will always turn it back on themselves, how it reminded them of their trip on their life and whatever it is. Um, the fourth one was really important because that's really uncommon that people do that. It's actually consistently breaking through your boundaries, right? A quick example here too, Helena, at one thing that I said, you know, uh, that was a few years back and she wanted to come for a visit. And I said, you know what? Um, like you can come in August, but don't come in September because we have our live event and we're going to have a hundred singles there and all the things, right? Well, guess what? It was like, I don't know, September, whatever it was sometime in September. I'm getting a call from my dad. Your mom just landed in SFO. In, in oh my goodness. Right? So this is super typical, again, textbook narcissist, where you're like, are you kidding? You know what I mean? So we are like making plans a week in advance. And then somebody doing an international trip, you know what I mean? So um, so that would be typical narcissist. And then the last one was just too much att- attention on how they look, right? Outside, all the friends love them. They have the best careers, the co-workers, everybody just is so sweet. Um, but then it's almost like this two-side, this two-faced dragon that like as soon as the door is closed, he turns into this ice cold, you know, uh, ice king or even in a, into a mean psychopath so it can take on all kinds of shapes so those were the four red flags and then um, how you actually uh, make sure you actually repel them is number one become your own inner narcissist the art of self-focus right um, number two was ignore them ignore them ignore them online ignore them in person let them just stand there walk away This is like the best thing ever. You Mm -hmm. can just film it. And then the last one is actually like call them out on their emotions that you feel because you are actually really gifted. You are actually naturally intuitive, 
right? It will make them extremely uncomfortable because their whole attempt to create this external persona is not working for you, right? So, gosh, like, what, what, have, what do I have to say? I think uh, one of the big things when it comes to, by the way, anything that you want to add to that, Helena? I just think it's so great. I mean, we could probably do a whole episode on each of those. There's oh, yeah. so much to say. And I actually yeah. learned a lot on this interview, which, you know, I absolutely love learning new things when I'm talking to experts about subjects that I'm personally not an expert on. So yeah, any last words of wisdom you'd like to share? I would love to hear anything else you have to say on this. Yeah, totally. Um, what I noticed, and this is what I'm really working on with my women, is, is like there is such a strong still emphasis on like, you know, the narcissistic X or this narcissistic this and this narcissistic that. And remember, whatever you judge comes closer to you. And also it becomes like stronger inside of you, but you don't realize it. Right. So the biggest thing is really like if you had a narcissistic parent like I did, or God forbid, you even had a narcissistic um, spouse, maybe even like for a, you know extended period of time or a narcissistic um, ex-boyfriend, right? To actually, again, like really letting go of the judgment, you have to find the forgiveness piece, right? And I know what you want to say, because you want to say, Antje, if I forgive him, then I'm going to attract that again. I'm like, that's absolutely not true. The opposite will occur because you're finally actually like sort of dissolving the charge inside of yourself. So now your nervous system can focus on something different. Something new can become alive inside of yourself. And also you stop projecting narcissistic traits on men who may be just, and I got to call myself out on that one too, Helena. In the beginning, my husband, he's, he is who he is. He knows why he's on this planet. He has healthy self-confidence. He is unapologetic. And in the beginning, I'm like, was that like a narcissistic trait? Right. So, you know, we got to be careful that when you actually meet someone who is secure, like you can easily start projecting onto them because they have the healthy self-focus. And if you have a distorted self-focus, you'll project that judgment onto him. So you got to be careful with that. And so that's why it does help to forgive your ex-husband for being a, a narcissist for or, or your mom or your dad or your brother or Oh, whoever it is. And it, again, it's not about like about not opening your heart again and being ignorant again. And all of this, I can already hear you saying things. Um, but it's rather to make sure you actually create a new reality for yourself. That is so important. I just see this all over the place in the, you know, comments on some of my videos on YouTube. You can just tell when a woman is a total magnet for narcissists. She talks about it all the time, says every man online over 40 is a narcissist, you know, 80% or some <laughs> insanely huge number. And you can just see it. You know, you can see all the emotional charge around it. It's you can mm -hmm. feel it even just in the energy of what they're, you know, typing on, on YouTube or something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you can feel the energy right? of it. And you know, know that a year later, two, three years later, they're going to be coming back around with that same complaints, right? The same mm -hmm. energy versus mm -hmm. people who, like, this is what I've been through. I've healed myself. I've forgiven myself for putting myself in that situation. I've released this person and I'm moving forward. Those are the people who attract a phenomenal man much more quickly. So it's totally, it's so important to just remove that emotional charge for you, right? Not because you want, you know, not for anything it does for them, but because what it does for you, you deserve to live in peace and actually attract 
what you want. So that was mm-hmm. beautiful, Auntie. I'm loving everything you're sharing here. I know you have a free gift, right, that you wanted to share with my community as well. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So if you're, you know, because so often we can actually wonder who am I and do am I insecure? Am I selfish or what is going on? Can I set boundaries? Like I recommend taking my free Magnetize Your Man quiz at mymquiz.com and, and just really learn more about yourself and see, oh, maybe this is where I have like a distorted view of um healthy selfishness right well here's we have a distorted view of vulnerability it's another topic we could endlessly talk about uh right like actually judging your own vulnerability judging your own anger judging your own sadness um but actually seeing like what's actually healthy right like where are you in this conversation so i highly recommend taking it so you really learn where you're out of alignment so we can get you back into alignment and for one you become definitely a narcissist repellent if you're in alignment but also because you are actually walking in alignment, everything will come effortlessly towards you, including your man. I love that. And totally 100% free, right? So I'll include a link to that in, I'll just have it be the first link in the episode details right there in the description. And I know you also have an amazing YouTube channel and a podcast as well. Magnetize your man, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And also what I wanted to say is like, if you take the quiz and you get lucky, I may even hop on a call with you for uh, 15 minutes and just kind of chat about the results and see, you know, how we can really support you so you can really create lasting change in your dating and romantic relationship life. Amazing. Yes. I mean, Antia is a brilliant coach, one of the top people. There's only like, you know, maybe two or so people that I highly, highly recommend. And Antia is one of them. I send, you know, prospective clients to you, what, 10 times a week, probably (laughs) because you're just so brilliant. You're just trained in everything so knowledgeable and can really help, right? No matter where you are. So if you have a a scheduler, if you have any openings, I can include a link to that too, if you want to schedule a free call with Antia. So thank you so much. I'm looking forward to doing so many more of these podcast episodes with you. I definitely learned a lot today and I hope we can do this again soon. Let's do it again, Helena. That sounds amazing. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall, rock-climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. If you're tired of struggling in your love life and you want a proven system to get into and maintain a relationship where you're consistently loved, valued, and cherished, go to forever1234.com. Again, that's forever1234.com.